This week on Business Brief, we'll hear from a business owner about what it means to continue the legacy of a family business. Then, we'll look at what an annual film festival means for the restaurant scene in Colombia. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Siggy Reese, and this week my co-host Tenny Mallorca is out, so we have Noah Zahn, who's a reporter here at MBA, as our substitute. Noah, do you want to kind of introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. My name's Noah. I'm a reporter with Missouri Business Alert. Um, started in January. Just had a story about the tech sector in Missouri published earlier this week. Awesome. Are you ready to get in this week's headlines? I am. I can't wait. Awesome. Let's do it. A national survey of business economists forecasts a recession to hit the economy later this year than previously anticipated. In a National Association for Business Economics survey, 58% of the economists surveyed said they foresee a recession coming this year, but only a quarter of the economists believe the recession will begin by the end of March. A fifth of the economists surveyed believe the recession will begin in the third quarter of the year. The Supreme Court this week questioned the Biden administration's authority to forgive debt, signaling it may strike down the White House's student loan forgiveness plan. The court's conservative majority, led by Chief Justice John Roberts, challenged the federal government's authority to forgive student loans during the pandemic. Nearly 44 million Americans have student loan debt, and the administration's plan would forgive up to $20,000 per borrower. Loan payments, which have been paused since the beginning of the pandemic, loan payments, which have been paused since the beginning of the pandemic, are set to resume this summer. Kansas City International Airport's new $1.5 billion terminal opens early Tuesday with a 5 a.m. departing flight. The facility replaces the airport's old three-terminal setup. The new terminal features almost 50 shops, restaurants, and bars, including more than 20 local businesses. U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg attended the ribbon-cutting ceremony for the new terminal on Monday, a day before travelers began using the new space. Clayton-based health insurance company Centene is expected to lose millions of Medicaid customers this April, after state governments resume eligibility reviews that were temporarily suspended due to the pandemic. Centene insures 27 million people and 16 million of its members are on Medicaid. The redetermination process, expected to take a year and a half, will likely cause Centene to lose over 2 million members. A bill that would give tax credits to entertainments such as TV, movies, and concerts in Missouri received Senate approval this week. The bill proposes tax credits for up to 20% of expenses on projects that do at least half of their filming in Missouri. It would also offer credits on up to 30% of expenses for music rehearsals and tours. Advocates of the bill say Missouri has lost out on hundreds of millions of dollars due to lack of tax incentives available for entertainment. We will be back with more Business Brief after a word from our sponsors. Hi, this is Fred Perry, host of the CEO Roundtable. Join Mid-Missouri's most successful businesses on Wednesday, May 3rd, as we gather for the Show Me LeaderCast event in Columbia at Woodcrest Auditorium. This annual tradition brings together the world's leading authorities on leadership for a simulcast event with lots of local fun, education, and entertainment. This year, we'll hear from Dr. Andy Stanley, Dr. Henry Cloud, plus six other great speakers. General admission and group ticket pricing is now available at showmeleadercast.com. Are you ready to be inspired? Since 2013, That's What She Said has provided a platform for women's inspirational voices, strengthening communities across the country. On Saturday, April 15th at 7 p.m. at the Missouri Theater, the inaugural That's What She Said Columbia, presented by Accounting Plus, will feature the powerful stories of women from our community. 25% of the ticket sales will support True North of Columbia. Find us at facebook.com slash she said como 
purchase your tickets now for an event you're sure to remember long after the curtain closes. For our next story, we'll hear from a business owner in Southeast Missouri who opened an event venue and short-term rental property last year with her family. Nice. Who's the business owner? It's Drusella Perkins, who's the CEO of Robinson Farms Next Gen in Cape Girardeau. The nearly 100-acre property features event facilities, short-term rentals, and other amenities like space for hiking and cycling. Perkins runs the business with her 12 siblings. 12 siblings. That's a big family business. Yeah, and Perkins also comes from generations of farmers, which inspired her to continue the legacy. Missouri Business Alert reporter Skylar Rossi interviewed Perkins about building the business and creating generational wealth. Here's part of that conversation. Drusella, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Tell me about the moment when you decided that you were going to try and start a business. What did that look like for you? Well, with my dad and my grandfather being uh, entrepreneurs already, I myself was already um, an entrepreneur. Myself and uh, one of my younger aunts, we both are interior designers. And so for the last 20 years, we had already been running um, a fully loaded interior design firm. So. I kind of knew what that was, um, you know, to even be able to work with a family member um, and to be able to own my own business. So it wasn't um, that I didn't understand, you know, how to start a business or anything like that. It is the the enormity of the impact of what I was trying to do and introducing the rest of my family, the nine brothers and the two sisters, into the mix. Can you tell us a little bit about your family's history in the area in Southeast Missouri? Absolutely. Um, We are originally, I'm from uh, a little small community um, right outside of East Prairie. It's called Penhook. Um, That is an area where my grandfather uh, moved to. um, And he ended up buying land there. And so um, raised his children there as well. And um, my uncles and my father, they were farmers in this particular area. My father bought more lands, his uncles. And so my brothers also farmed out on the farm uh, with my father. It is exciting to kind of be back in the area and to see how much uh, the area has grown since I've been away for the last 35 years in Virginia. So we're excited about being able to impact our community again. And what does it mean for you to be continuing a family legacy per se? Yeah, I think sometimes that can be difficult, right? Because legacy can mean so many things, right? And so for us, um, I know people talk about generational wealth all the time, and that is important. But I think the wealth part for us um, also comes from the fact that we should be able to be in communion with one another, that we can love on each other, that we can spend time with each other and can continue to build those um, sibling relationships. I think it's healthy for us to be able to, you know, communicate uh, with one another. And then we come back together and, and we keep it pushing. But being able to have a legacy um, that's richer than just money is kind of really what we're aspiring to. We're really trying to aspire to um hold a family together after your parents, you know, are are gone and to be able to keep that legacy of love and, um, you know, togetherness going when your parents have left, which is the glue to hold the kids together. But somehow we have to find all of that in us so that we can, you know, continue because we want our kids to be able to experience what we experienced, you know, growing up with uh, all of the siblings. What would you say was the key in pitching this to your siblings and getting people on board with your vision? I would say the, the main thing is because there, there's 12 of us, 
there couldn't be 12 voices. And so that that's kind of what I explained. Um, we, if we're going to do it, we can't have 12 different voices. Like we can share, we can speak, but we have to walk as one voice. So if there's a voice to be heard, then we all had to hear that same voice and um, not, you know, try to have our own voice be heard or our own opinion or whatever. Um, they've been so gracious to let my voice be the voice. <laughs> and so um, I, I hope I'm doing them good. Um, but yeah, just just making sure that we we kind of move as one. And so by moving as one, we have to keep one voice. What does owning a business mean for you, but also your family? I know you've talked about your siblings, but also your your children. When I was first told that I was going to be opening a hotel, like Laura said, okay, open a hotel. The first thing that I did was to have a, a family meeting with myself, my aunt and her husband and my daughter, my oldest daughter. Um, I've always kept them in the forefront of any business that um, I've done. Um, I would brainstorm with them, collaborate with them, have them working in the business. And so for them to see something different other than DNR Designs, um, they're excited. Um, they're very proud. They've seen me, you know, work very hard to, to get the family um, in, in the position where we can reimagine what Robinson Farms could be. Yes, we're farmers, but now we also have something else that's tangible that we could add uh, to, to uh, the family that it, it's not farming, but it feels very close because of, of the way we're setting up Robinson Farms. To hear more of this conversation, watch the full interview on MissouriBusinessAlert.com. It's a big weekend here in Columbia. The True False Film Festival is in full swing, and reporter Abigail Ramirez is here to tell us more about how vendors have geared up for the weekend. Abigail, for those who aren't familiar, can you talk a bit more about what True False is? Sure. So True False is a film festival held every March in Columbia, where they screen handfuls of documentaries at multiple venues downtown. They also set up concerts and music events. For True False, the role of the food vendors is essentially to feed the people attending the festival in between concerts and movies and other stuff throughout the weekend. Cafe Berlin marketing and events director Adrian Luther describes True Falls as a weekend of collaboration. It's like a big class project. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Columbia's class project. Yeah. yeah, it looks like this year's festival is going to be exciting. How did vendors prepare for the thousands of people flocking to Columbia? So a lot of vendors adjust their businesses to adapt to the crazy crowds that come in for the weekend. Actually, local tourism officials estimated that over 10,000 people are going to be coming to Columbia this year. So to adapt to these crowds, a lot of businesses change their hours or make sure to schedule extra people. One business, the Bagel Shop Goldies, makes everything to-go style and pre-packages everything. And Cafe Berlin offers specials every day of the festival. Interesting. So tell me more about what staffing preparations have looked like. Definitely. Lots of vendors tell their staffs ahead of time that the weekend is going to be super hectic just to get them mentally prepared. Some places like the coffee shop shortwave make sure to staff extra people and make sure that their trainings are all up to date. Other places don't make working the festival mandatory, but ask that they pick up extra shifts during the week. Many vendors talked about prioritizing the well-being of their staffs. The weekend is super stressful, and they want to make it as smooth and easy for them as possible. Okay, and so how does True False give back to employees that are working during the festival? Yeah, so the people in charge of the festival are super grateful for all the workers and the food vendors and the work that they put in during the weekend. They know how stressful it gets with all of the crowds, so they try to give back to them where they can. 
For example, with the Goldies employees, the festival gave them tickets to the last documentary showing after their close, so they can enjoy part of the festival outside of work, too. Awesome. And what does true-false mean to the vendors that work the festival? A lot of these vendors care a lot about true-false and really jumped on board as soon as they were approached by the festival. They want to be able to represent their business to people from out of state to show that they can compete with the big and trendy coffee shops or restaurants in bigger cities like New York and Los Angeles. Amanda Rainey, the owner of Goldie's Bagels, says she appreciates when Goldie's is compared to bagel shops in larger cities. It's fun to have people from out of town come in and, you know, sometimes people tell us like, hey, I'm from the East Coast and these bagels are like just as good as we get in New York. Um, that always feels good. Cool. So on that topic, how do the vendors feel about representing Columbia's food scene over the course of the festival? Yeah, so a lot of these food vendors want to be able to represent Columbia and its food scene well during the festival to people from out of town. Some people don't know a lot about the city besides the fact that it's in the middle of Missouri, and there's a lot of preconceived ideas that can go into play there. These food vendors want to be able to show off the food scene as being quirky and fun while also showing that the city values diversity and inclusion alongside true-false. Luther explained that being a part of the festival means showing that Columbia is more than just a college town to others. We're a blue dot in the state of Missouri, so having folks come to Columbia, I think this is a really important opportunity for us to show that we're more than just a college town. We also have a really great community that has progressive politics and we're full of the same quirky people you would find in like a larger city. Well, thanks so much for talking with me, Abigail. I'm excited to see how the rest of the festival pans out this weekend. To read Abigail's story and more coverage of the film festival, go to MissouriBusinessAlert.com. It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Noah, what's your word this week? My word this week is kickoff. Kickoff as in soccer? Yes, exactly. St. Louis City SC, which is the new Major League Soccer team in St. Louis, they're playing their first regular season home game on Saturday. Oh, interesting. Another Missouri sports team. So why are we talking about it here on Business Brief? Well, for one, the team's led to a lot of investment in St. Louis's downtown West neighborhood. Since the team was first announced in 2019, there's been over $800 million that's gone into development. And a lot of this money was used to create St. Louis City SC's City Park Stadium. Wow. Sounds like the team is big news for Missouri business. Besides the stadium, what else has been developed in the area? Well, there's been a historic redevelopment that will open up its apartments this summer, and there are plenty of businesses, like bars and dispensaries, that will serve those who come in the area. And also the streets of the downtown West area are also seeing improvements. Well, it sure seems like St. Louis not only scored a new soccer team, but some booming business as well. Definitely. Uh, that's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? My word this week is river. Which river are you talking about? That would be the Mississippi River. The river is kind of a roadblock when it comes to developing the St. Louis Riverfront. There are a couple of different proposals that are currently moving forward after getting Port Authority and Board of Aldermen approval. One proposal, the Lighthouse Point, is a plan to develop an over $300 million marina and entertainment district near the northernmost tip of the city. Another proposal, the $1.2 billion Gateway South project, is a plan to renovate an area south of the Arch and create a new construction and innovation district. Okay, got it. So you said the river's been a roadblock. Why is that an issue? Yeah, so the river's conditions are constantly changing. Sometimes there's a lot of flooding, and other times the river will be in a drought. There's also a large rocky chain in the river that can cause navigation difficulties. Interesting. So how do the developers plan to get around those issues? A developer of Lighthouse Point says plans for a marina include a sign that tells boat operators to turn around when they get too close to the dangerous area. That's about it for this week's Words of the Week. Uh, let's get into our closing thought. 
For a closing thought, here's Drusella Perkins again with advice on how to balance work and personal life while building a business. When you're building something, it's going to it's going to require your attention. And so a lot of my attention has had to have been spent um, building up Robinson Farms for the last you know year and a half, almost two years. But I know that's a season. Right. And so because I recognize that that's a season, um, I make sure that, um, you know, whatever little precious time I can get with the family, we make that, I make it intentional, right? I make sure that it's time that I can spend and that we're communicating and all that good stuff. So it's it's something that's unavoidable. Um, it's hard to balance it, but it, it just depends on where you are. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. For my co-hosts Noah Zahn, editors Emma Boyle, Nick Knoll, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy, I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.